0: On substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Greetings and salutations, Dr. Casey Grover. Glad to be back again for another episode of Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care. This episode is going to be a literature review. The paper that we will be reviewing is from JAMA Network Open in 2021. The lead author is Dr. Andrew Herring, who I am proud to say has given grand rounds at my hospital on buprenorphine in the past. And the title of the article is High Dose Buprenorphine Induction in the Emergency Department for Treatment of Opioid Use Disorder. So let's jump right in. The authors open the study with the usual introduction section, and they make one huge key point to set the stage for this study. And that point is, starting patients on buprenorphine in the emergency department and linking them to outpatient care is an effective strategy to reduce morbidity and mortality among patients living with opiate use disorder. So, whatever we need to do to successfully start patients on buprenorphine and link them to treatment is really the right answer. The authors further note that existing buprenorphine induction guidelines are written for the outpatient setting, and their experience in the emergency department is that patients often need higher doses of buprenorphine than those outlined in outpatient clinic guidelines to get therapeutic buprenorphine levels. As such, the authors evaluated a high dose, defined as greater than 12 milligrams, emergency department-based buprenorphine induction pathway for patients presenting to the emergency department in opiate withdrawal. And that brings us to the methods section. This was a retrospective electronic health record review of patients aged 18 and older treated with sublingual buprenorphine at a single emergency department during the year 2018. The authors continued in this methods section to outline their high-dose emergency department buprenorphine pathway. They wrote up this high-dose emergency department buprenorphine pathway, which we will go through in just a little bit, that allowed dosing of buprenorphine up to 32 milligrams given in the emergency department. They trained 58 physicians and 21 advanced practice providers in their emergency department on this pathway and then made the training available for the rest of their providers in their department on the department website. They also reinforced the training for this pathway during scheduled educational events. And there was always a board-certified addiction medicine physician available for consultation on call. Here was their pathway. Step 1. The emergency department provider makes a diagnosis of uncomplicated opiate withdrawal and uncomplicated meant no recent use of methadone, age less than 65, normal mental status, no comorbid intoxication at presentation to the emergency department, and no recent overdose requiring reversal with naloxone. Step 2. Confirm the time since the last opioid use, to be eligible for buprenorphine, and that was over 12 hours for short-acting opiates, over 24 hours for long-acting opiates, and over 72 hours for methadone. Step 3. Assess the severity of withdrawal using a COWS score. And as a reminder, COWS, C-O-W-S, is the clinical opiate withdrawal scale. If the cow's was less than eight, the patient was not ready for buprenorphine. The protocol was to wait and recheck the cow's score in one to two hours. If the cow's score was eight or greater, then the provider would start four to eight milligrams of buprenorphine on the patient given sublingually in the emergency department. Step four reassess the patient after an initial dose of buprenorphine. If improved, providers could use the standard buprenorphine induction pathway or the high-dose buprenorphine induction pathway. The standard pathway involved titrating up the buprenorphine up to a total of 8 to 12 milligrams given in the emergency department. They would use this for patients whose withdrawal symptoms were significantly improved in the emergency department and who had no anticipated barriers to getting their buprenorphine discharge prescription after leaving the emergency department. And these patients were discharged home with a discharge prescription of buprenorphine at 16 milligrams sublingual daily until follow-up. For the high-dose group, they would titrate the buprenorphine up to a total of 32 milligrams in the emergency department. And they might use this for patients with a heavy opioid tolerance, severe withdrawal, or barriers to getting their buprenorphine prescription after discharge. Patients, of course, were not entered into this pathway if they showed signs of sedation with the initial dose. And they were also discharged home with a discharge prescription of buprenorphine at 16 milligrams sublingual daily until follow-up. A few nuts and bolts on the methodology of this paper. Emergency department providers were able to choose whether they wanted to use the high dose buprenorphine pathway or the standard pathway for all patients in this study this emergency department used the monoproduct sublingual buprenorphine the brand name is subutex when doing this study at this emergency department site they also had emergency department substance use navigators which are basically emergency department drug and alcohol counselors to help providers and patients with the process of getting discharge prescriptions and outpatient follow-up. If the withdrawal was determined to be complicated, you can refer to step one of this pathway, which I talked about before, then ED providers obtained addiction medicine consultation. And lastly, for the high dose pathway, patients were titrated up on their dose from the initial four to eight milligram dose at the discretion of the provider. Let's take a quick minute here for my mind to catch up. What are they actually looking at in this study? For their emergency department, inducing patients on buprenorphine, connecting them to resources, and providing a discharge prescription for buprenorphine is the standard of care. So they're looking as I see it at the safety and efficacy of doing an initial buprenorphine load in the emergency department and reading between the lines. They're trying to address the frequent challenges that patients face in filling their discharge prescription for buprenorphine and by loading patients with buprenorphine in the emergency department, patients have more time, likely up to a few days to get their discharge prescription filled, before the emergency department dose wears off and they go into withdrawal. So kind of in summary, basically they're looking at a standard buprenorphine induction of 12 milligrams or less or a high dose buprenorphine induction up to 32 milligrams. Okay, back to the study. What did the authors want to measure here? They were doing a comprehensive chart review of the electronic health record, so what were they actually looking at? Primary outcomes were number one, occurrence of precipitated withdrawal, and number two, serious events attributable to buprenorphine, including sedation, decreased respiratory rate, hypoxia, and or naloxone rescue in the emergency department or within 24 hours of discharge from the emergency department. Secondary outcomes were number one, signs and symptoms of withdrawal, and number two, adverse events or toxicity from buprenorphine. Let's move on to the results. The authors reviewed 391 emergency department patients who made 579 emergency department visits during the study period. The mean age was 36. The patients were 68% men, The patients were 44% black and 15% Latinx. The patients were 23% homeless. 41% of the patients had comorbid psychiatric illness. And 54% of patients had never been treated with buprenorphine before. So, what did the study show? 63% of the visits were high-dose inductions where over 12 milligrams of buprenorphine was used in the emergency department. In 24% of the visits, there was dosing at 28 milligrams or more of buprenorphine. There was zero association between vital sign perturbation and the dose of buprenorphine used. Zero patients receiving buprenorphine at any dose required naloxone. 0 patients who received 28 mg or more of buprenorphine had a change in respiratory rate. In 17 encounters, supplemental oxygen was required. However, in all cases, supplemental oxygen was required prior to giving buprenorphine. Incidence of nausea and vomiting after buprenorphine was low in less than 6% of cases, And higher doses of buprenorphine were not associated with more nausea and vomiting. And the mean length of stay was 2.4 hours for all cases, regardless of standard dose or high-dose buprenorphine. So what about precipitated withdrawal? They had five cases of precipitated withdrawal out of 579 visits, which is an event rate of 0.8%. All cases occurred after the initial 4 to 8 milligram dose. In four of the five cases, they treated the withdrawal with high-dose buprenorphine up to 32 total milligrams, and patients were improved and able to be discharged. And in the fifth case, there was felt to be comorbid stimulant use, which was a complicating factor. Looking at serious adverse events. There were three adverse events during the study requiring urgent intervention. One patient presented in diabetic ketoacidosis. One patient presented twice in opiate withdrawal and was ultimately diagnosed with comorbid myocardial infarction on both visits. And there were zero serious adverse events associated with buprenorphine administration. When looking at recurrent emergency department visits, 45 patients had a return emergency department visit within 24 hours of discharge from the initial emergency department visit. In reviewing these cases, there were zero cases of precipitated withdrawal, opioid overdose, sedation, respiratory depression, or adverse event attributable to buprenorphine treatment. Some patients, however, were unable to access follow-up treatment and returned to the emergency department for additional buprenorphine dosing. And I'm going to pause here again to let my brain catch up. So in summary, high-dose buprenorphine worked just as well as regular-dose buprenorphine without any serious safety issues or side effect. This is fantastic news. The authors here move on to the discussion section, and I will highlight a few key points from the discussion section. The authors open this discussion section with a simple summary of their findings, quote, in this large case series of emergency department patients with opiate use disorder treated with a high dose pathway of buprenorphine induction, we observed no instances of buprenorphine toxicity, such as sedation or respiratory depression, and adverse events, including precipitated withdrawal, were rare. The authors then move on to some of the advantages of high dose buprenorphine. When standard dosing of buprenorphine, along the lines of 8 to 12 milligrams, is used in the emergency department, the dose only lasts about 24 hours before patients will begin to experience withdrawal symptoms as the buprenorphine is metabolized. When high dose buprenorphine is given in the emergency department, patients have an extended period after their ED visit where buprenorphine remains in their system, delaying the onset of withdrawal symptoms. Basically. The high-dose buprenorphine protocol is like a buprenorphine load. It allows patients to go up to several days before their next dose before withdrawal sets in as the large dose takes time to be metabolized. And due to the ceiling effect of buprenorphine, this large loading dose does not cause over-sedation or respiratory depression. This allows people some time to navigate the health system to get their discharge prescription or arrange follow-up without having to return to the ED soon after initial visit for additional dosing of buprenorphine. And in this study, 23% of the patients were homeless, so this is a big issue. An additional point in this study is that the average length of stay for emergency department visits for buprenorphine induction was 2.4 hours, which was relatively constant despite any changes in dosing. This really lays to rest the argument that buprenorphine induction in the emergency department is time-consuming. These are relatively quick visits. The authors also in this discussion section highlight the need to choose patients for the high-dose protocol carefully. Patients with reduced respiratory reserve or sedation are not good choices for the high-dose protocol and should receive lower buprenorphine dosing. And that brings us to the conclusion of the paper, which we will summarize here into our take-home points. Number one. Starting patients on buprenorphine in the emergency department and linking them to outpatient care is an effective strategy to reduce morbidity and mortality among patients living with opiate use disorder. Number two, in this study, a high-dose buprenorphine pathway was a safe and effective method of induction. There was no increased risk of precipitated withdrawal, over-sedation, or adverse events when a high-dose buprenorphine pathway was used. Number three, patient selection is important. This study was successful in using high-dose buprenorphine as they developed and carefully followed a high-dose buprenorphine pathway. If you are going to use high-dose buprenorphine in your practice, make sure you follow a similar protocol or pathway when you do it. Number four, high dose buprenorphine has the unique advantage that a high dose in the emergency department functions as a buprenorphine load, allowing patients to go up to several days before their next dose before withdrawal sets in. This allows people some time to navigate the health system to get to their discharge prescription or arrange follow-up without having return to the emergency department for additional dosing. So consider this for patients with barriers to getting their prescriptions or getting follow-up care. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you found this paper helpful and you'll consider using high-dose buprenorphine in your practice when appropriate. Thanks for what you do and don't forget, treating substance use disorders saves lives.